Let's go. Broadcasting from the center of the universe. <clears throat> His universe. Much better. He's 90% bourbon and 10% man. It's the Ricky Worley Show. Oh, my Lord. Here's your host, Ricky Worley. That's right. You're here on the Ricky Worley Show. I'm Ricky Worley alongside Ann Sharpstein. How are you? Howdy. I'm happy to be here. I'm having an awesome week, so I'm fired up. It's nice. It's finally like springtime. I know that we just had some crazy storms down in Florida. But I mean, that that means spring is here. Summer's coming. I know. I am so ready. Taking walks and getting in the garden. And oh, it's just fantastic. I love it. I love this time of year. Well, we got a great show coming up. Um, speaking of Florida, we've got a band from Tampa, Visit Neptune. They're going to be stopping by a little bit later in the show. Uh, they got a new album coming out this month. So we'll get to chat with them. Looking forward to that. Uh, and a big news week. Of course, you know, Prince uh, Philip just passed. Absolutely. Very, very sad. Yeah. You know, I think that uh, Americans, we we sort of, I think we've, we fell in love with Princess Diana. And I think we loved, you know, him as well. Yeah. Because they were both sort of outsiders, you know. He her. was just cheeky. I mean, he got away with saying whatever he wanted. And uh, like now <laughs> that he's it. passed, all these quotes of like inappropriate things that he's said has come out. They're hilarious. Like I'm reading some of the crap he read. I'm like, oh, my God. It's totally like your old grandpa. And the things that well, would you know, come they out were of his probably mouth. Probably a good balance for each other. I mean, Philip yeah. and Elizabeth. Yeah, you definitely know, a yin I think and yang. She's, yes, definitely. I think they were probably perfectly suited for each other. So, so he was uh, what 90, 99? 99 years old. So I know I'm not going to say I should just shut up because every time I say something, somebody dies. But um, you know, like when when like a spouse dies. Oh, don't say that. No. Don't even say that. All right. I won't say anything. <laughs> that that hurts my heart. I was shocked enough. I don't well, I don't know why I was so shocked when I heard the news that he had passed because he's 99 years I old. I saw the writing on the wall. I mean, when he's been in and out of the hospital these past few, you know, months, so I was like, yeah, that that clock's a ticking. Well, you know what's what doesn't bode well for Charles? I was in a restaurant with a friend and I said, "Oh, did you hear the news?" And I had a photo. There was a there was an announcement, you know, of of the Duke of Edinburgh Mm-hmm. The passing and so and it was his photo and so i showed it to my friend so they thought was, charles died yes and they're like oh thank god <laughs> i thought oh that's not good and also it's coming out that he was very very supportive of princess diana and apparently at one point sent her a letter saying you know for the life of us the you know the queen and i have no idea how or we cannot fathom how Charles would choose Camilla over you. I thought, oh my goodness. He was kind of like self-destructive for the family on the inside, you know? I think every family needs a Prince Philip. Yeah, stirring up trouble for yeah. sure. Uh, what else do you have uh, coming up in the news? Oh my gosh, there's lots of news to share. Prince Harry, as you may have heard, is now in the UK after mm. the death of the Duke of Edinburgh. And I've got the latest news on that, including also how Pierce Morgan is getting some love and support from the royal family. I'm not sure how Meghan will feel about that. And also, Kim Kardashian has joined the 10-figure club for the first time. I'll bet you don't know what that means. 10 figures? Yeah, I can't count that high. I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're a fan of the TV blockbuster series, The Crown, like I Uh am, I have the scoop on all the details about season five coming up and also some really really good news if you're a fan of the show it's like royal week here on the show i know well i i feel perfectly at home here that's why (laughs) uh so do you hear about this you know time to time you hear these celebrities that kind of float the idea of running for public office um yes it well that you know so trump started and you and i actually years ago we had donald trump on the show uh, when he was talking about running, when it was kind of a joke, you know, he always kind of toyed with the idea. You know, everyone thought it was a joke. I thought he was serious. Gonna, I thought it. I took it seriously. Yeah, I I could see him doing it. But um, yeah, he actually did it. So a lot of celebrities play with this idea. I mean, Ronald Reagan was a celebrity before he became uh, governor first, I think, and then president. That's right. Well, now there's a new celebrity that is toying with the idea. Of course, what was last week we were talking about? Uh, somebody said Meghan Markle was thinking about a run for president. But uh, <laughs> n- now I right. think legitimately Dwayne The Rock Johnson is considering running for president. No. 
Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I've been seeing the story uh, for the past uh, few days, and uh, he's even tweeting a little bit about it and, and making it seem like he's considering it. Which party? I have no idea. But okay, anyway. Well, I need to go follow him. <laughs> yeah. A, a consumer research company, Pipslay? I have no idea what this is. Anyway, they pulled 3,138 people nationwide and found that 46% of Americans would actually like to see The Rock run for president. <laughs> well, wouldn't surprise me. I don't know anything about him, really. I don't know if he's... What's the fascination, with though, with celebrities running for office? Like, we always talk about it. Remember, like, Roseanne ran for president at one point? Roseanne, Roseanne? Yeah, Roseanne Barr. From the show? Really? Yeah, the annoying voice. Yeah, her. I didn't know that. Yeah, but she was like a big uh, like weed advocate, and I don't think she ran for a party. I think she was like doing her own thing. But yeah, I'm trying to think who I would love to see run for president. Who's a celebrity? Like um, legit. I mean, we always joke about Dolly Parton or Betty White, but like yeah. a real celebrity that has their shit together. <laughs> okay, maybe it's a problem that we can't think of a celebrity that has. <laughs> and maybe has this is why we should together. not elect celebrities to public office. <laughs> There has to be one. I know. I'm trying to Maybe think we, of like who's sensical. Maybe we need to sensical. come up with the award. Ricky, you need to run. Maybe it's you. No. We already talked about this on a show past. We were talking about uh, like taking sexting pictures. I've already ruined my, my shot. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I guess I have to run. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. There's nothing like that out there on me. <laughs> yeah, it's not me. I'll do it for the country. So who would be his veep, though? His vice president? <laughs> I can see Katy Perry being like a California congresswoman or something. So anyway, that uh, might anyway. be 2024, The Rock running for president. Jennifer Lopez. That would be a good so ticket, far. The Rock and J-Lo. Yeah, Rock and J-Lo. Yeah, she or flip rocking. it, do J-Lo and The Rock, because we've already had the female vice president, so now we need the female president. I like her. She's a businesswoman. Yeah, hmm. she seems to have her shit together. I think we need to work on this. We will build the ticket for America. We're working on it. Yes. So the other day I met uh, this guy who introduced this woman with him as his partner. And uh, I was like, oh, what, what kind of business do you guys have? And they just gave me this funny look and they explained that they live together and they actually have kids together. They just weren't married. And it got me thinking, like, I feel so uncomfortable when people use the word partner because I feel like I... it's a business thing or like in a homosexual relationship, like they're partners or whatever. Well, it's funny that you bring this up because just this week I was at a dog show and I saw someone and she was sitting in this lawn chair and she said, oh, hi. She said, here, let me introduce you to, I can't remember her name, you know, so-and-so next to me. She's my partner. So you assume they're friend, dating or, or a Yeah, couple. so I, when she says that, when someone says that to me, I automatically think, oh, your partner's in the romantic sense. But right. I'm like, what? You're married. <laughs> so it's kind of funny and maybe it says something about me, but like when it's a man and a man or a woman and a woman and they say partner, I automatically think romantic relationship. But if it's a woman and a man and they say partner, I don't I think business. I think you're I probably agree with you. I probably do the same thing. Yeah. Either way, I don't assume. like the term either way. I, it's just it's weird. I don't know. Like why can't you just say boyfriend, girlfriend? Or they could be like my, I have a friend in the UK, she's single, and she refers to her boyfriend as her lover, which makes it really clear. Now that's just gross. That just makes me want to hurl. My lover. I just, I think it's very bizarre, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, what do you, what do you, if you were living with somebody and you were not married to them, what would you call them? Your boyfriend? Yeah. Or fiance or whatever. Yeah. See, and that's another thing. Like, people, as they get older, they don't like to use, like, boyfriend, girlfriend. They feel like it's kind of juvenile, those terms. Oh. I don't think it is. But I guess if you're living together, you most people end up getting engaged. I don't know. Maybe I'm old-fashioned, but. I don't know. I have a friend. Of course, they just got engaged. But they had three kids together. They lived together for five, six, seven years at this point. I, but I, think, I don't know what they call each other. I think boyfriend, girlfriend. But anyway, the, partner. the word partner <laughs> threw me off. And I was like, oh, whoops. My I bad. bet more people refer, because when they're older, they probably say partners, in the meaning in the romantic sense. I don't know. But now that you brought it up, I think I prefer partnered than lover. <laughs> yeah. He's my lover. Lover is just sort of graphic, and it gives you these visuals that you really don't want to have. Yeah. 
So I was uh, reading the other day um, my favorite magazine, Cosmopolitan. I never miss an issue. <laughs> and uh, here are four things that they say you should never joke about with your man. Okay. His future hair loss. <laughs> Uh-huh. With the exception of people like Vin Diesel or we were just talking about The Rock, uh, most guys with that shiny head is uh, not usually considered to be the sexiest man alive. Uh, apparently, a lot of guys stress about hair loss. I don't stress about it because nobody in my family has lost their hair, so I'm not really worried about it. Yeah. I mean, I never have seen a man who is sexy without any hair. I don't care what you say. Um, it's definitely not cute. You don't like the bald thing. So even Vin Diesel or The Rock doesn't do it no. for you? No, not at all. I do feel sorry for who, for men who lose their hair because it's kind of a it's a thing, right? Yeah, and you can't help know. it. Well, don't make I a joke know. about it. Maybe there is some. Maybe. Okay, I won't. All right, I'm taking notes. Seriously, I have a pad of paper. All right. I'm taking notes. Okay, so don't. Don't joke about his future, future hair, hair loss. loss or c- current hair loss. Okay. <laughs> uh, another one, his small paycheck. Don't make a joke about his small paycheck. Okay. You know, men being uh, in a more primitive sense, like we got to take care of the woman and the family, uh, they consider, you know, our obligation to bring home the bacon. So if you joke about like, eh, well, you don't really make that much money, that could be a real hit to See, the See, I ego. think that's rude to joke about that with anybody. You know, that's just hurtful. Yeah, if you're doing that, you're a real bitch. True. <laughs> Okay, I'm still taking notes. What's number three? Don't joke about his mother. Okay. Once you start dissing a boy's mom, things are going to get ugly real fast. Is every boy a mama's boy? I don't know. I feel like the majority are. I think you're right. I don't know. I think moms have special bonds with their sons. It's like you my know. mother, you can't make a joke about my... Now, I can make a joke about my mom. We make jokes about your mom all the time. That's true. Because she's fantastic. And it's I good, love her. good content for the show. She, she's one of the funniest people I know. I love her. We need to have her on. We haven't had her on in a few weeks. A couple oh, she, months, we I guess. Need to, yes, we need to call her. Yeah. Have you called your mother? I haven't called my mother in a little bit. Mother's Day's coming up, by the way. That, maybe that's oh, what yeah. we'll do. We'll get her on the show for Mother's Day. Yes. There we go. All right. We'll we'll get her on here coming up soon. And uh, last thing, according to a cosmopolitan, that you should not joke about with a man is his member. Oh, I yeah, that would be just rude as well. Yeah, the Johnson I mean, it- jokes. Keep them to yourself, <laughs> especially if you want to see it again. <laughs> and what do you like? What's to joke about it? Yeah, I'm trying to think like how that I mean, would not come that up. It's a serious thing, but yeah, like why would you be talking about that? I guess if, like, he was being a jerk and making fun of, like, your small ass or something like that, and then you try to bounce back and be like, yeah, well. (laughs) Well, if someone tells me I have a small ass, I'm actually flattered. (laughs) But um, (laughs) People tell me that all the time. I'm like, yeah, I know. Nothing (laughs) I could do about it. I guess I could. So there you go. Cosmopolitan helping you out with uh, things you should never joke about with your man. Cosmopolitan helping us do life. Helping us with our lovers. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, uh, we have got the news. And coming up after that, visit Neptune, rock band out of Tampa, Florida. So we'll be stopping by and talk about their new album. Stick around more at the Ricky Rose Show after this. The COVID-19 vaccines are starting to become available across the country. And as they become available, you may be asking yourself, should I get it? Will it help me get back to doing the things I love? Like going out to my favorite restaurants, meeting with friends in person, or going on vacation and traveling again? And can I do it all without putting my family and those I love at risk? And is it safe? You've got questions, that's normal which is why it's so important to get informed. The medical community has made it clear. The vaccines authorized for COVID-19 have met the highest safety standards and can help protect us. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org for all the latest information on the COVID-19 vaccines. That's GetVaccineAnswers.org. Getting back to the moments we miss starts with getting informed. It's up to you. A message brought to you by the Ad Council and the CDC. And we're back here on the Ricky Worley Show. It is time for the news. Ann Sharpstein's got a lot to get to. Take it away. 
lots of news to share this week. Prince Harry and Prince William this week have each released statements about Prince Philip's passing as they prepare to both attend his funeral. And following Prince Philip's death on Friday, April 9th, Prince Harry and Prince William each posted a statement about how much Prince Philip meant to them as a grandfather. Prince Harry stated, quote, My grandfather was a man of service, honor, and great humor. He was authentically himself with a serious, <laughs> sharp wit and could hold the attention of any room due to his charm. And also because you never knew what he might say next, wrote Prince Harry, Duke of Sussex, sure. in a statement released to the media i think you know i think both prince harry and prince william truly loved their grandfather yeah i mean i i think he was there for them in some of the hardest points of their life remember when they did that walk behind the casket and he was you know he he was right there alongside him i feel like maybe they're even a little closer to philip than they are to charles just judging by some of the the relationship that that you see Well, Prince Harry went on to add, quote, he was my grandpa, master of the barbecue, legend of banter, and cheeky right till the end, which is just so precious. Prince William, meanwhile, shared a message via his family's Instagram account. Quote, he said, my grandfather's century of life was defined by service to his country and commonwealth, to his wife and queen, and to our family, he wrote. And he continued on, quote, I feel lucky to have not just had his example to guide me, but his endearing presence well into my own adult life, both through good times and the hardest days. And we know what he's referring to there, I'm sure. I will always be grateful that my wife had so many years to get to know my grandfather and for the kindness he showed her. I will never take for granted the special memories my children will always have of their great-grandpa coming to collect them in his carriage and seeing for themselves his infectious sense of adventure as well as his mischievous sense of humor. I just feel the love through these statements that this family had for him, don't you? Yeah, I mean, like, we look at this from the outside, but at the end of the day, you got to break it down and be like this is somebody's grandpa you know so think about it like when you lost your grandpa or if you were to lose your grandpa how would you feel so it's it's one thing to view it as oh it's the royal family and this institution but you know on a very human level they've lost their grandfather right right and prince william also added quote my grandfather was is was an extraordinary man and part of an extraordinary generation Catherine and I will continue to do what he would have wanted and will support the queen in the years ahead. Was that a dig there at Harry? Catherine and I will continue to do what he wanted, what we were supposed to do. You read, yeah. I mean, (laughs) actually, now that you point that out. Hmm. uh, And he went on to say, I will miss my grandpa, but I know he would want us to get on with the job. (laughs) Again, maybe that is. Another dig there. Wow, you are very perceptive, Ricky. Well, Prince William and Prince Harry are both expected to attend Prince Philip's funeral, which will be held on April 17th. Okay, so this weekend. Yeah, and I wonder how many people will be attending because I think I heard that only 30 people are allowed to attend funerals. Yeah, that's a, a point I brought up with somebody the other day. I was like, so Harry gets to travel back to the UK for a funeral where it's like so much more difficult for people right now. Right. By the way, Megan has stayed home in California. Yeah. So they're it, they're attributing that to she's pregnant, um, but I, I, I don't think it, she would be getting the warm and fuzzies if she showed up either way. Uh, yeah, I, I think don't it's think so rather either. convenient that she's pregnant. Yeah. And Pierce Morgan says the royals on the subject of the royals have thanked him for quote standing up for them end quote. The former TV host says members of the royal family have sent private messages to him thanking him for standing up for them after Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's damning TV tell-all interview with Oprah. Yeah, so so I've read a little bit about this, and apparently Pierce is one of these kind of like uh, loyalists to the royal family and the monarchy. Uh, there's like uh, kind of, I guess, like here in the states, like our kind of patriotism. There's that kind of okay. gr- group of people and kind of loyalty to the, to the monarch. So, I think that anytime somebody talks bad about the monarchy, he's going to stand up for them. Um, just like if anybody, you know, a patriotic person here in the states, somebody talks crap about the U.S., you know, they're not going to take to that very well. 
Right, right. So I think that, yeah, he's got some, some loyalty here to the crown. Well, he's been very... Um, um, vocal. Very supportive. Yeah. Yeah, very vocal. Now, after the Oprah interview, Pierce quickly, as we know, became one of the couple's, uh, Megan and, and Harry's, most outspoken critics, uh, even quitting his job as the host of Good Morning Britain, rather than apologize for saying that he did not believe Meghan Markle's version of events. <laughs> and since the interview, Pierce says, quote, I've had some messages communicated to me on behalf of several members of the royal family who were grateful that somebody was standing up for them. He remained coy, however, when asked if they included messages from upper level royals, saying, quote, well, I'm not going to go into who it was. So I guess I wonder who it was. You know, we keep wondering, you know, who Megan says that someone made some racist comments and... Yeah, that's, do we do we know who that was? That's their mo, though, isn't it? Just to kind of drop a little piece of information there and let it grow yeah, into. Yeah, let it fester. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm not surprised that the royal family reached out to Pierce Morgan, but the support also extended to Pierce's own family, even as as his sons received death threats yeah. from the so-called liberals who were driven by the online mob. Now he says, "quote My wife's always been completely supportive about this, but she hates the online abuse." He said, calling the threat to his sons completely disgusting, which of course it was. Now bragging that he remains resolutely uncanceled, Morgan says that he would also love to have his own follow-up interview with Megan and Harry to confront them about their <laughs> most damaging claims. I think this is a fabulous idea. I think that would be a great TV, even more so than the Oprah interview. I would line up to watch this. He says, I would say to Megan Markle, look, sit down with me with your husband for an equally long interview and let me ask you more difficult questions about all of your claims. Let me ask you a wider question, which is this. If you hate the royal family that much, why do you keep your royal titles? Of course, Megan Is that fair, Harry, though? I mean, I don't think she hates the royal family. She does. She's not exhibiting love and affection. For no, them, she's claiming she? she's been mistreated. But I wouldn't say that she's come out and said, I hate the royal family. I feel like that's a little bit of a stretch of a statement there. Okay, well, she's saying that she has been somewhat abused, right? Yeah. By the royal family? And, yeah, and got no support. Right. I'd say that's a little different than hate the royal family. Very good point. Very I, good I'm point. just trying to devil's advocate here. Well, I mean, but uh, it begs the question, if they do want to have, they don't want to be part of royal life, why do they still want to keep the titles? You know, they are still known as the Duke and Duchess of Sus Sussex. Yeah, and she bitched about uh, Archie not having whatever title also. Right, but they don't want to be part of the royal... Well, they don't want to be part of the royal establishment and Well, do they don't want to be yeah active members is the term that keeps get thro throwing around. Well, Pierce goes on elaborating on questions he would ask of Meghan and Harry, and he says, quote, why would you do that? Like, why would you hold on to your titles if it's not just to make millions and millions of dollars? And he says, and playing the victim as you do, it's just completely nauseating. That's so. a fair question. Uh, a little extreme there with the nauseating part. But uh, yeah, why why are you keeping the titles? I think it's a very fair question totally. to ask. Totally. Because there's a lot to benefit from from the title. But, I mean, at this point, they're celebrity figures. Whether they had the title or not, they're still going to be able to continue their Netflix deals and all their business deals. I don't think it really, at least well, here in the States, I, I don't think we give a shit about the title, right? I think people do. I think the, the royal title is just add a little bit of extra sparkle. So what, you're not going to hire them. Harry because he's no longer the Duke of whatever? I don't think so. Oh, I think they still, he would, I mean, they're still going to get attention and they're still going to get some deals, but it just adds an extra umph or sparkle to them <laughs> that they're royal because we don't have royalty here. I mean, we have J-Lo and we have, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, we don't have that. I mean, we broke away from that a long time ago. Yeah. But anyway, like you said, fair question. It is a fair question. Now, as we discussed last week, Pierce has angrily defended himself against accusations that his attacks on Meghan are racist, pointing out that he is just as critical of Harry and, quote, the last time I checked, he said, 
Harry was white. <laughs> and so he says he finds the, the whole narrative deeply offensive, he said. And more news. Yes, Kim Kardashian has joined the 10-figure club for the first time. Ricky, do you know what that means? I'm assuming it's a billionaire. Yes. Ten figures. Kim Kardashian is officially a billionaire. This according to Forbes magazine. And she can thank makeup and shapewear for giving her this honor. So Spanx, basically. <laughs> yes. Have you ever, do you know they have Spanx for men, Ricky? Did you know that? Uh, I did not know that, actually. Is it made yeah. by Spanx, the, the company Spanx? I think so. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't need it yet, but I mean, <laughs> maybe one day. You probably couldn't breathe if you, anyway. <laughs> Forbes estimates Kim's net worth has ballooned to a cool $1 billion. Actually, it's over a billion dollars. I did a little bit of research about this. And this is up from about $780 million last time Forbes magazine checked in October of last year. The Forbes team says Kim's cosmetics line, KKW Beauty, and her Skims shapewear brand are a huge portion of the increased wealth. By their account, KKW Beauty has been bringing in an estimated $100 million a year since its launch in 2017. That's pretty good. I don't understand how she and even Kylie are making this much money because I'd... I mean, granted, I don't talk to people, women, about the makeup that they're wearing, but I don't know anybody that uses or purchases these products. Do you have any yeah. products from Kylie or, or Kim? Nope. No, I don't. And I don't know anybody. I'm now seeing these, Kylie has these vending machines or whatever, like all over the place. They're in like malls and airports where you can buy like the, the makeup in these vending machines. But I don't, I've never seen anybody, A, purchase anything from it. And I don't know anybody that's buying it. Somebody must be. I don't if know. they're billionaires. Right. Now, when Kim sold 20% of her ownership stake in the company KKW Beauty to beauty conglomerate Cody, that put a tidy sum of $200 million in her back pocket. And Forbes magazine says the remaining 72% stake she still has in the company is worth around $500 million on its own. So this and this then, company itself is what $700,000 yeah. essentially of her, her net worth. Yes. And then there's Skims, the Spanx like shapewear, okay. which hasn't disclosed its financials, but Forbes still pegs her ownership stake to be around 225 million. And the rest of her cash sits in cash and investments including lots of real estate. And since 2012, Forbes says Kim has been collecting at least $10 million a year pre-tax from keeping up with the Kardashians, endorsement deals, and other business ventures. Yeah, I just Googled that because I was curious how much they were making for that show. And I'm not finding how much Kim makes, but I'm showing that Chris makes, uh, the mother, makes $100,000 per episode. Uh, That's a nice paycheck. Yeah, and now this show, uh, Keeping Up the Kardashians, is now sunsetting. They're ending that. And they've just signed a new deal with Hulu. So there's something coming. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, all of this billionaire news surrounding Kim means that she now joins her sister, Kylie, who became a billionaire on her own through her makeup empire. Plus, there are, you know, there are a whole slew of other celebs that have gone into the billionaire's club in recent years, including Kim's estranged husband, Kanye. And, and that was from the, the sneaker deal, right? The Yeezys or whatever? I believe so. Now, Kim has not commented on her new status yet, but, you know, she's probably got to feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I. Uh, she's probably got a prenup. I was just wondering about the uh, the divorce that's going on. Oh, I know. I think By so, way, though. She, she did that, uh, the marriage first, with Chris Humphreys, but I think she had a prenup there. I think uh, Chris, the mother, had enough sense to convince her to get the prenup before that. And thank God, ah. the, what, 24-hour marriage or whatever it was. Was it really? No, I think it was like a few weeks or something. But Well, Kim today is considered the richest of the Kardashian-Jenner clan. Wow, so. so she's blown past Kylie. Yes, Kylie is no longer in the billionaire club. Very sad. Oh. But I, I guess don't cry for her. Uh, Forbes has her new net worth uh, just below 
a billion dollars. It now sits around seven hundred million. So She'll be I all think right. she's she's not in the breadline. <laughs> <laughs> and TMZ reports this week that Kim has told them that she fully expects all of her siblings and probably some of the the children too, the kids, to eventually achieve billionaire status. I don't think yeah, so. See, this is said. this is a thing like with with wealthy people often is like the say the parents do really well you know, build themselves up from the ground up and become millionaires, billionaires, whatever. And then they have some shithead kids that blow it all on coke and hookers, right? And then right. their kids are the millionaire billionaires again. It's like a cycle. It skips a generation. Yeah, yeah you're right. When they have all the money and all the wealth and they never had to do anything, it, it seems to happen that way. Except for a few instances where like money gets passed on, they continue on the company business, that kind of thing. But yeah, well, Kim didn't exactly have a beginning to be respectful. Of. I mean, didn't she get her start with a sex tape? Yeah, she started with a sex tape and she didn't really come from a whole lot of privilege. I mean, her her father, of course, was the high profile attorney, uh, but they lived like in a normal neighborhood. I mean, but it's not like she was, you know, living like a billionaire, like a Hilton is what I'm getting at. Right. So they've done well for themselves. I don't see the kids doing near as much as this clan has done well and ricky that's not all the kardashian jenner news <laughs> making headlines this week so so this is the royal show that. and the kardashian show yeah yeah okay. what else right. is there to talk about kardashians <laughs> and the windsors now caitlin jenner is reportedly considering a run for california governor here we go again with the celebrities for running for office this is an interesting one because she notoriously is a republican true i didn't know that until fairly recently yeah so i i don't know how a trans woman will fare as a republican candidate however we are talking about california so there's a lot of variables here <laughs> very true now caitlin jenner's manager told people magazine in february that she was not considering a run for political office but Caitlin is now reportedly consulting with former Donald Trump staffers as she considers a run for California governor. According to an Axios report, Caitlin, who is 71 years old, is actively exploring a run for the state's top political position and is in talks with various political consultants amid the push for a recall election for the current governor of California, Governor Gavin Newsom. Multiple Republicans have expressed interest in making a run to take his place. So of course she decided that she would take, <laughs> she'd consider it too. And indeed she is considering it. The New York Times Washington correspondent Maggie Haberman has tweeted that Caitlin has been consulting with Brad Parscale who previously worked on Trump's presidential campaign. Haberman reported, quote, he is not the campaign manager, but providing guidance on who to fill specific roles. Haberman further said that Trump and GOP fundraiser Carolyn Wren is also working with Caitlyn Jenner. So she's working with all some go-getters, Ricky. So she's... Yeah, um, with the Trump team there. I mean, sure, go for it. I I uh, I feel bad for California. Your your governor is uh, an idiot. So I I'm all for the recall. Um, whoever wants to replace him, Caitlyn Jenner. I don't know about that. Uh, I can't believe she's well, 71 years old. Well, now these reports about Caitlyn Jenner come after. As we discussed, Jenner's manager, Sophia Hutchins, saying in February that the former Olympian was not considering a run for office. And she said, quote, Caitlin is not running for governor, has never considered running for governor, <laughs> and is very happy doing the work that she is doing to promote LGBT rights and spending time with her 18 grandchildren and 10 children. Wow. So this just proves That's that publicists are just like lawyers. They just lie through their teeth. Like they always say, oh, no, <laughs> nothing's going on here. And then a week later, you're like, oh, yes, we filed governor <laughs> yeah. paperwork. Uh, yeah. Now, a rep for Jenner for, for Caitlin did not immediately respond to People Magazine's request for comment this week about these new reports. Caitlin, who is a longtime Republican, as you said, publicly supported Donald Trump during his first campaign, but later said that his leadership was, quote, extraordinarily disappointing, end quote, once in the White House. And she criticized the Trump administration's LGBTQ policy, calling his approach to equal rights issues a, quote, disaster 
Yeah, because specifically to to Caitlin, uh, I think one of the big policies that he reversed was the it was something to do with the trans in the military. So I I, I feel like right. that probably that rubbed her the wrong way. So. Yes. Well, she has expressed regret at sharing her political opinions. She told People Magazine last year that she had been uninvited to LGBTQ fundraisers that she's donated money to. She said, quote, they said, I'm too controversial and it hurt. I wish I'd never talked about politics. I think I had been looking at LGBTQ issues with rose-colored glasses, Caitlin said. And she went on to say, I've changed my thinking in a lot of ways. I love my community. I just truly want to help. So we'll see. Yeah, I guess that's her way of uh, trying to do it, by running for governor of California. And if we haven't had our fill of royal drama lately, (laughs) get ready for more. The Crown Season 5 is set to begin filming this summer in July. I love this series, Ricky. Are are you a Crown fan? I'm a huge Crown fan. Uh, It throws me off, though... Every time, like when they like move on a generation, and then it's a whole new cast, and you have to like relearn, Ugh. like okay, that is the queen, that is this person, that is this person. I do not like that at all. Yeah. So, I absolutely am with you on that. So they're going the to way, season. What do you say? Five. Season five. Yeah. And by the way, for those who are obsessed about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry and their exit from royal life, their storyline will not make it to the show. The show never intended to cover the royal family up to the modern era. The show is only expected to cover up until the early 2000s, long before Meghan and Kate Middleton joined the royal family. Now, we are going to have to face in season five a whole new cast, which is going to be very... Um, all have you know, to adapt difficult yes we'll have to adapt um the the new cast includes imelda staunton as queen elizabeth elizabeth uh, debicki as princess diana dominic west as prince charles jonathan price as prince philip and leslie manville as princess margaret be interesting to see the new cast i uh I, what i see happening though so you said this ends at season six they're gonna be done right mm-hmm. Right. I see maybe they sunset this for a while and then maybe 20 years from now they revive it and keep doing the seasons. Well, have you heard the rumor that Harry and Meghan are going to develop a show about the royals? Well, I I do know that they have a deal with Netflix, so who produces the crown. So it would not surprise me one bit. Uh, Hmm. And that's actually interesting now that we're talking about it. I wonder if they have any kind of uh, meddling or or uh, hand in what they're doing in the crown now, now that they're part of the Netflix family. Oh, wow. That's an interesting thought. Tony, so anyway, uh, any details? So they're filming now or they're about to start filming? They will start filming this summer. Uh, by the way, the role of Princess Diana, which was so beautifully played by Emma Corrin in the yeah, she in did season go. four, mm-hmm. she was fantastic. Now we'll go to Australian actress, as I said, Elizabeth Debicki. Um, that's my favorite. I just can't. I I hope she does the role justice. It's I, I love anything having to do with Princess Diana. Well, and then there's also that movie coming out with uh, Kristen Stewart, who is also playing Diana, which is uh, interesting. I'm, I think we discussed that when we had uh, Heather Smith on the show and kind of the limits in my opinion, of Kristen Stewart's acting, but it'll be interesting to see her try to pull off Diana. Right, right. And Lori Loughlin's husband, Mosimo, has been sprung from prison early as the dust settles on, you know, that little college admission scandal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the only question now is, is he at home or is he holed up in a halfway house? So federal prison records show that Mosimo is indeed now located at a facility called RRM Long Beach, which is a residential reentry management field office that oversees inmates who are transitioning back to public life. How long was he in, in jail? He got the stiffer sentence between he and his wife, Lori, um, mm-hmm. for their roles. And he got about three months more than she did. And she got, I think, two to three months. So, so what, I don't, why does he... Out. Five months, do you need, really need to go to a halfway house to readjust? I mean, to yeah, society? I like, 
Nothing has changed. I don't know. Maybe they don't like just going straight from jail to you're back home. I, I really don't know why. I mean, I know that his release date technically wasn't until April 17th, but they decided to let him out early. And mm-hmm. so maybe he's not allowed to leave his home, you know, because they say that he's finishing out the rest of his sentence under At home, home confinement, okay. which is... I don't, I don't know how you still consider that serving your sentence at home. But anyway. And finally, Kendra Wilkinson is speaking out this week after former Girls Next Door co-star Holly Madison recently opened up about their former friendship and life in the Playboy Mansion. So while she was on Call Her Daddy podcast, <laughs> the Call the Daddy podcast. I that's what do you mean you, my, you don't listen to that? That's not on my list. I no, haven't I missed an episode. Call Call Her right. Daddy. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite. Well, you podcast. gotta get me up to speed. <laughs> now, Holly implied that she and Kendra they don't speak anymore. She said, and they're not friendly with one another. And she also insinuated that Kendra lied when she said previously that she wasn't intimate with Hugh Hefner before moving into the Playboy Mansion when she was 18 years old, by the way. Now, in 2014, while competing on the reality TV series, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, Kendra said at the time, quote, I moved into the mansion and weeks went by and I didn't know sex was involved because I knew nothing about Playboy. I had just graduated high school. Uh, This according to Entertainment Tonight. So she claims she didn't know anything about having sex. Nothing. Yeah. So I've been reading into this a little bit and apparently there's so I guess who is it has the book out? Uh, Kendra? No, not Kendra. Holly has the book out. Yes. And apparently, yeah, you have to have sex with Hef to to stay the night or to live there or something like that. To be, yeah, to be invited. Uh, the the call, call her daddy. Gosh, I can't I can't get over the name of that podcast. <laughs> the, podcast. The, uh. the call her daddy host Alex Cooper referenced the moment you know that we're talking about during a recent podcast episode after Holly claimed that yes, in order to move into the mansion, every woman was allegedly required to have sex with Hefner first. And she said, quote, I had to sleep with him first. I'm not trying to slut shame anybody or anything, but nobody ever got asked to move in unless they had slept with him. So gross. So she, I know, it's very, very gross. So, and now follow me here. After E! News posted about Holly's remarks on Instagram, Kendra commented on the post writing, quote, Dude, it's 2021 with a laughing emoji. Times have changed, she said in a follow-up comment. I forgive and I have kids to love and focus on. Uh, By the way, Kendra has two children, Hank, who is 11, and Elijah, who is 7, with her ex-husband and former NFL wide receiver, Hank Basket. Now, Kendra and Holly, they had a falling out years ago, and they have feuded in the past over their differing accounts of what happened or what didn't happen during their time living in the Playboy Mansion. Now, Holly left the Playboy Mansion in 2008. That was seven after seven years of living there with Hefner and, and all the other Playmates. And she told People in 2016 that the, that chapter of her life is now closed, including her relationship with Kendra. And Kendra, by the way, left the mansion in 2009. And she says that she wishes her the best, And but I'm done with that portion of my life. And I've moved on, and I'm happier now. I, uh, uh, I will probably check out truth. this book because um, the thing about the Playboy Mansion, it was always so, like, secluded. There was a lot of kind of, like, secrecy. And I think that kind of was the allure of it, right? The, the mysteriousness right. of the Playboy Mansion and the parties right. and how exclusive it was to try and get, to get into these parties. But some of these quotes and things that I've seen coming out of this book and some of these interviews are very, very interesting uh, to reveal stuff about Hef. Really? Yeah, like, uh, apparently, like, to not get too explicit uh like i think it came in it was in the book or one of these interviews that holly said like the women were never ever satisfied it was always 100 percent about half obviously and he would have like four or five women in the bedroom all the time but it was only the main girlfriend who slept with him at night that sleep in the traditional sense of sleep stayed the night with him which i think she was the main girlfriend during that period 
Weren't they both at some point, the main girlfriend, or no? Well, there were the three when they did the girls next door, but I think Holly was the main girlfriend. I don't oh, know. I it's so this whole thing is so asinine to even to be like talking about like it's serious to be like who's the main girlfriend? Like this is ridiculous conversation. All right, a little bit of trivia. Yeah. Who was on the first cover of the very first Playboy magazine? I have no idea. Oh, you have to know this one. Who's like the biggest bombshell sex symbol in the United States? Pam Anderson. No, this was before. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. Oh, I got to go further back. So, I mean, he was old. Yeah, he was old. <laughs> he was old when I, what, 10 years ago, 15 years ago when that show was on. I wonder if they ever talked to him about his future hair loss or... Um... <laughs> I don't think so. What were the other things? I've already forgotten that his mother. His member, his mother, age. the hair, and his small paycheck. Which he, So a few of those things. He had his hair. He had a big paycheck. He had a big paycheck. I don't know about his member. Don't want to know about his member. No, that's an old man. No. <laughs> let's let's just <laughs> not go there. And then uh, uh, his mother. I don't. Whatever. So. Yeah. Anyways. And that wraps up the news. There we go. There's. The You're news. in the know. And stick around. Right after this, we've got Visit Neptune, a rock band out of Tampa, Florida. they got a new album coming out. Stick around. We'll be chatting with them right after the break. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figuerella, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. And we're back here on the Ricky Worley Show. Uh, excited about this and Sharpstein alongside, of course. We have got Riley Buchanan, Trent Alexander, Justin Bailey, and Aiden Henriksen. And together, they make up Visit Neptune. Awesome rock band. They're out of Tampa, Florida. Guys, it's good to have you on the show. Welcome. Hey. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. How did you guys get started? I mean, how did how did this thing come about? Well, uh, Trent and I, so this is Riley talking. I'm the uh, lead singer and rhythm guitarist. Uh, Trent, who is our drummer, we went to middle school together in Tampa, and uh, we became best friends pretty fast. We bonded over music and uh his older brothers were in a band at the time and still are. And he really wanted to start a band. So he just asked me one day, we took from the same piano teacher and he was like, Hey man, like we should, we should start a band and, and try to play some shows and stuff. That would be awesome. And I was like, all right. So I just, I found a drum set and I started playing some drums. And um, once we got to high school, we kind of switched around the instruments a little bit and found Justin and Aiden. And, you know, uh, we've been, we've been playing for about four, four years now. Yeah. Formed freshman year and, Started taking it a little more seriously junior year when we put out our first little EP and we're striding. So what's what's kind of like the music scene there in Tampa? What's that like? It's it's not crazy active, but there's a lot of great underground artists uh, around the Tampa Bay area. Um, I like some good rock bands have come out of there, no? Oh, absolutely. Trent, any input on this? Yeah, I knew. I know back in the day, Tampa was like the, like the death metal scene or something like that. And I think <laughs> Under Oath came out of Tampa. I'm not 100% sure, but I think that's like the biggest band to come out, but... I know, like, Gainesville. The closest to Tampa, like, Gainesville's pretty big. Like, Harvard, yeah. and Harvickers, and Against Me came out of Gainesville. But. So who do you guys uh, consider your influences? 
we definitely draw our influences from all over the place. <laughs> our, uh, our lead guitarist, Justin Daly, he has a very big metal background. Um, you know, some of his favorite bands are like Metallica and Megadeth. So uh, he, he has a very heavy influence on the band. Uh, myself, I'm, I'm very interested in like kind of modern alternative rock. I'm a big fan of Cage the Elephant, Kings of Leon. And uh, our bassist, Aiden Henriksen, he has kind of like a, a bluesy kind of background. And he really likes some kind of like blues rock infused bands like Black Keys. And he's a big fan of Andrew Hole and uh, Trent Alexander, our drummer. He, he has a big classic rock influence. And, you know, he could talk for days on end about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. <laughs> <laughs> you guys write all your own music? We do. We, it usually starts with, um, you know, sometimes one guy will make a, a voice memo on our phone of just like a little riff or a simple idea. And then they'll send it in our group chat. And, you know, if we like it, we'll, you know, next time we meet up, all kind of come together and kind of like a collaborative type thing. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of start somewhere with one person and then we all build on top of it and kind of make it our, our group project. And we all, we all write the music together. Although like with fun on the lyrical side, that's more me. You know, as the singer, I kind of write what the song's about, but uh, we all write the actual music. So your first release, I guess, was the your EP Blurred. How did that, you know, how did that start? I, you're playing together, but how does the the whole start, you know, creating the album? What's that process for you? Yeah, so our first EP Blurred, we um, we we were juniors in high school, and we thought, you know, we're, we're kind of bored of playing covers. Uh, it's a lot of fun, but we kind of wanted to come up with something original, something that was mm-hmm. us. So we ended up getting together in this small little bedroom on Neptune Street where we would practice every week. It's where uh, Trent's, Trent's house is. And we uh, we just got in this little room and put up a bunch of mics and just started recording everything. And, and that was kind of how, how Bird came out. But Yeah, I'll, I'll just add something to that. Um, what was cool is that my dad, he owns um, a guitar store called Replay Guitar Exchange um, in Britain Plaza. And... Um, he had had a bunch of equipment that he wasn't using anymore, yeah. um, like a Mac um, that he wasn't using and some monitors. And so he brought him home one day and he basically let me play around with some of the stuff, um, some of the software that he had downloaded. And that was like really, like looking back, it seemed like a small thing, but I think that was like a huge reason why we even did the EP in the first place. Um, we ended up needing help with some of the other like, you know, production and stuff. Like we tracked um, by ourselves at Trent's house, like with that, uh, with the stuff that my dad gave me, like we decided to go ahead and track there. Um, we did end up like getting help from one of our friends, Charlie Davis, who um, did a lot of the mastering and the mixing. But yeah, getting that, getting that <laughs> free stuff in the beginning was um, pretty awesome and just really inspiring. And we wanted to uh, wanted to set out on that adventure. Just kind of like uh, self-produced from the get-go. Yeah, in a sense, for sure. Um, and that's why it has that first EP has such like an organic quality to it. It's yeah. not the most polished thing of all time. Um, but I think that's what gives it its character and its charisma. And it's just, um, we really love it. That's not one of those things you'll look back on and be like, yeah, you know, that's, that's when we started. That's what we sounded like when we got going. Exactly. And now you've got, so this full length album, Life as a Hypnotist, uh, was that kind of the same process or was that, did you go about that differently? Trent, you want to take this one and talk about Preston? Yeah, yeah. So we wanted, like I just said, that one was more like an organic raw sound. Like we wanted more produced and polished sound. So we, uh, Justin's dad knew some producers around the area and we went to the studio called uh, Master Sound. Uh, and the, the guy who owns his name is Preston DiCarlo. He's a really good guy. And um, he owns this studio. It's down on Waters Avenue. And we just went in there basically like all the first semester of senior year, like every weekend, most like Saturday and Sundays. And we just had these 10 songs and we kind of just, we just recorded them each instrument at a time. And just, we were really proud of it because, you know, it sounded a lot more produced than blurred, but we thought that the songwriting matured as well. So we're, we're just happy to put something out. And now, so you've got a new album coming out. You've released a couple singles, I think, off of that one. Uh, and it's kind of interesting how, you know, this past year has been a bit of a shit show, but how this album uh, came about. We, uh, after we released our album, Life is a Hypnotist, uh, we kind of took a little bit of time to play a few shows. We played the Gasparilla Music Festival, which is a festival in Tampa. And, um, you know, we kind of had some time to just, like, think about what the future of the band would look like because, you know, we were, we were about to graduate high school. So, you know, we were, we were, we were kind of expecting like, maybe just, like, take a little break and, and figure things out, like, once we kind of go through our freshman year. But then coronavirus hit uh, right during our spring break. 
So we decided, you know what, like after about after about a month of being cooped up in our houses, we were we were like, hey, like let's let's get together and let's let's just start writing again. Like let's make our best project yet and let's really make something that that is kind of that next step for us. So we got together at um, our drummer's lake house, uh, about 45 minutes north of Tampa, kind of secluded from everything. And we just locked ourselves in this little cabin with all of our instruments inside. And we just stayed there until we wrote an entire album. We, uh, we kind of wrote it pretty, pretty quickly in the span of about, you know, four or five days. And, uh, and we, we really liked the result that we got because it was much more of a consolidated sound than anything that we had ever put out before. You know, I think we kind of viewed the EP as being a little all over the place. Um, and it's also, you know, it's our first project, so right. we're a little judgmental of it sometimes. But, you know, it is a little all over the place when, when we kind of take a look at it now, um, just with, like, different sounds and not really being able to find exactly, like, what our band is supposed to sound like. It was kind of like this experimental, like, let's just put a bunch of, like, different styles out and, like, see what we like after some time, you know? And I think our latest album, Show Me 3D, that's going to come out in May, is, I think that's, uh, that's that best project that we've been trying to uh, get to, and we're super, super proud of it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I love uh, Heat Stroke in December. I'm like, if this is what oh, yeah. this album's got to be, I mean, that's a great, it's yeah. a great single. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate that. That was one of the first ideas that we had um, for the album, and we were we were super excited to, uh, during during the summer of 2020, we went to a studio in Tampa called Five Five Studios. It's in Ybor City, and yeah. mm-hmm. we, uh, we met up with those guys and, and started laying down tracks and, you know, kind of getting their take on what they think about certain songs, and, and they had nothing but good things to say about it, so we just went ahead and and recorded with them and, you know, had a good time and spent nearly every day of the summer in that studio. And the end result was, uh, was show me 3d. And, you know, it, it's been a while of just kind of like releasing singles slowly and, and trying to build a little bit of traction. But now that we're almost there, we're, you know, we're jumping out of our seats, excited for people to hear it. Oh, it's a band. I mean, through COVID and all this, I mean, were you guys able to do any kind of performances? Did you do the live stream type thing? Like what did you guys do other than, you know, working on this album, but as performance wise, did, was there much of anything this past year? Yeah, we, yeah, we got we, after uh, we came back from the first semester school. We were like, okay, well, let's you know, let's get together and jam because we haven't played in a while. So we did a little mini like Instagram live stream, and we just played some of the new stuff. And we asked um, our fans just to DM us like some song requests. So we did that so we could stay you know in shape. Yeah, absolutely. Don't forget we did the um, ID eight one three thing too. Like basically, as soon as we finished like writing the album and then. Um, getting it all tracked and recorded with five, five, like right after that, we had a um, show lined up with them and it was like a live stream show, which was like, <laughs> I mean, it seemed really bizarre at the time for us, yeah. but like, it's just become normal now. Like everyone's doing, Everybody's doing it. Stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it was, um, it was really interesting and it, it was a really fun way to, uh, kind of cap off like our album experience. You know, there's still a lot to come of us playing shows, but that was just, that was a cool thing. I'm curious, who have you been compared to? Because you have such a unique sound. Um, we've been compared to a yeah, lot of people, yeah, but um, one of the main artists that we get compared to a lot of the time is um, Arctic Monkeys. Oh, yeah. like, when I show my friends, um, like Heat Stroke in December, say, or just, a, just generally all of our songs, like most people say that Riley sounds like Alex Turner or like the vocals or just the whole style of the music just reminds them of that band. But um, I mean, that's obviously like comforting to hear just because we love that band. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to be told that you sound like one of your favorite bands is great. We obviously want to have our own identity and offer something new to the music scene. But um, it's it's still, you know, something that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be cool like to do your own thing uh, and not really know like what you've what you're putting out what what you sound like and then you start getting kind of that validation like oh yeah it sounds like this it's got a little bit of this and you're like all right i'll take that you know yeah yeah for sure well i love it i'm looking forward to the to the new album everybody check it out visit neptune band you're on facebook instagram visit neptuneband.com also do a little bit uh on tiktok i understand on visit neptune uh guys thanks so much for stopping by i love the music and the new album is coming out you said in may right yes all right, we'll be looking for it and uh, really appreciate you guys stopping by. That's our show. We're out of time. Uh, guys, again, thanks for coming on. And like we say every week, cheers. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. Yeah, thank you so much. Cheers.
Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance, reminding you that when you adopt a shelter pet, you discover all the things that make them unique. Adopt pure love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund.